Michael Vincent, the dude. Hey, good Wednesday afternoon from a uh, unseasonably warm freight alley. Nobody cares about the weather. Michael Vincent, what, what are you talking about? You got I nothing better to talk about? I love the weather. How about we can complain about daylight savings? Let's time? do that. All right. How What's about your that? favorite part about daylight savings? I like daylight savings because, first of all, I feel like I'm actually waiting. I'm waking up at the right hour, at the right hour See, that's supposed to be. So I felt I feel well slept, and I get to go to sleep early because, like, at six it feels like it's nine thirty. See, those are I, I don't like waking up. I, I feel like I'm late because it's light outside already when I'm. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm old and I have kids now, so I like. I'm this. old. And the and I kids, have kids go to bed too. earlier too. But you know what's cool? When you're a kid at this age, you could play outside longer. It's cooler to play outside when it's dark, right? Yeah. So, you know, this time of year, you get to play out there. You do flashlight tag, that type of stuff. Well, hey, put the kids to bed early tonight. And if you haven't seen it yet, on Netflix, there is a remake of All Quiet on the Western (laughs) Front. Yeah. One of the best war movies I've seen. Uh, you know, World War One doesn't get enough coverage as it is. A lot of World War Two movies, not a lot taking yeah, place yeah, yeah, in World War yeah. One. World War was gnarly as hell. It this was movie, gnarly as hell. The book was rough, man. How's the movie? Movies are pretty rough. Is if it good? you want to know about like trench warfare oh, yeah. and just the psychology yeah. of like, yeah. a soldier during it, check that movie out. It yeah. shot so well, it. it looks I'll well. I'll do it. Well, hey, folks, we had a whole zoo. We got like a zoo of guests on. I think we had like six people on the show today, including highway founder Jordan Graff. Why did he leave Triumph Pay and start highway? I don't know. We'll find out from him. We got Ed McCarthy from the Georgia Ports Authority. We'll talk about that big seat change, that big shifted freight, and what's going on there. Uh, We got Owaida's Norita Taylor. She's going to talk about the troops and veteran initiative that they have going on. Back to truck guys will tell us how they thought about F3 and their drive in an autonomous truck. We also got uh, Rachel Premack with her recent amount of controversies. But first, we got to tip the band. So, <laughs> Surge Transportation now offers digital autonomous load booking for our carrier partners. Visit loads.surgetransportation.com 24-7 to book loads at competitive market rates with the click of a button. Also, book it now through leading industry load boards. Do it. Wow. Go there immediately after the show is what I would say. Yeah, I'm doing it right now. we got to talk to Rachel. It's Rachel Premack, editorial director at FreightWaves. She started a lot of controversy online by punching down on a small Midwestern town. Rachel, how are you doing? I did not start a lot of controversy. I think think she did. The people of Frankenmuth are not happy with Rachel Premack. The the people who live in Midtown Frankenmuth, I should say, are the ones that are upset. I mean... Um, I got zero. You guys are the only people who have stirred up any sort of controversy. But for those of you who are not familiar, Frankenmuth is like a replica Bavarian town near the thumb of Michigan, pretty close to where my mom grew up. It is a very, it's a very interesting town. Um, Basically, it's like a Disneyland, but German. Um, and you know, people live there. About five thousand people live there. But it's known for its Bronner's Christmas store, which yeah. is the largest Christmas store on earth, or something, um, in the world. I I don't know the exact um, exact they- like terminology. But my great uncle Eric, who passed away several years ago, was a key contractor in helping to build Frankenmuth. So I do have some wow. family ties to Frankenmuth. Yes, but so that, that's what really made me question what you posted here. It said, why does Frankenmuth, Michigan, have a downtown to midtown when your own relative, your own ancestor helped build this town? Shouldn't that answer rest somewhere in the annals of the pre-Mac home? 
Well, um, you know, okay, this is something my dad always makes fun of is how like towns will have a downtown and a midtown when they're like very small. And it's like, this is like two blocks away from each other. They're like very close by. I think this is like some East Coast, New York kind of like bullying though, even though he's not from the East Coast at all. Oh, oh. Um, so I don't know. Up to up to you guys, up to the viewers. But in my opinion, I think Frankenmuth should embrace its Bavarian roots and not do the downtown midtown thing. It's a I don't know what the like Bavarian equivalent like terminology would be, but that that's my opinion. Okay, wow. Rachel, you are you're off the hook. Here was the other. I don't know if this was Rachel's controversy. This was more like a controversial email. You put out this article, and what really stuck out to me was actually this response you got. From Bob Costello, chief economist at the ATA, he yeah. said, um, with regard to pay, counterintuitively, increased pay rates can lead some drivers to work less in order to be home more often. All that sounds good. But then it goes on to say, in fact, almost 40% of truckload carriers <coughs> excuse me, reported to ATA that increase in pay last year resulted in drivers choosing to drive less make the same amount of money, and be home more often. So it almost sounds like he's putting a negative spin on there, but to me, I hear 60% of drivers didn't stop working less. Right. I mean, it sounds... You can definitely view this how you want, like, in whichever regard you want to view this. Because the fact is that truck drivers uh, are away from home for weeks at a time. They work up to 70 hours a week just driving, um, and that's not even including, you know, detention time, pre-trips, you know, uh, fueling up, you know, having to sleep in your cabin, uh, in the, in the, in the cab of your truck for, you know, most days out of the week. So it, it does make sense that, you know, 40% of drivers would want to make the same amount of money that they're making and spend more time with their family, which is, you know, the whole point of working, uh, arguably. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it's definitely, I, I definitely want to include the ATA perspective on this because, you know, they do represent the largest trucking companies in the space, but um, definitely kind of interesting to contrast how the ATA views things, how owner operators view things, how a wider view things. Um, so it's, it's kind of up to the reader, I guess, which, which side they, they most agree with. Yeah, and I was asked uh, this morning, uh, what do you, what I thought would happen if we suddenly plugged in the seventy-eight thousand drivers that we are, we are short. What would Costello think would happen to the industry if suddenly there were seventy-eight thousand drivers available today? Right. I mean, one one kind of argument that you know a lot of a lot of people who study the space make is that if we reduced uh, the time having to spend detention time or uh, truck or truck parking, um, you know, these sort of like inefficiencies in the market, it would probably reducing, uh, deadhead miles. This would probably, you know, reduce the need to hire so many new truck drivers because the drivers who are on the road would actually be loaded and working and moving rather than, you know, wasting time looking for parking or cutting their days early because they need to find parking at 4 p.m. Um, it, it's kind of an it's kind of a issue of like why don't we make the drivers on the road more efficient, which would also in many cases make their working lives better and more um, more satisfying. I think that what to drivers can sound a little dispiriting here is that we're in an industry with 94% turnover, right? But he wrote in this email, his, his 
take on turnover wasn't that this is systemic of poor conditions and many of the things that drivers complain about. Instead, it represents, and this is his quote, the free agency of trucking and the ultimate worker empowerment. I think that's where it deflates you a little bit. If you are sitting here saying, hey, I hope these guys, if I'm a driver and I say, I hope these guys stick up for me and for conditions, because that's not the take here. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is true that these large truckload carriers definitely do hire a lot of the new drivers in the market. Um, on the other hand, it's like, why don't we look at the way that these jobs work? Does it really make sense to just hire, you know, a hundred new drivers and like hope that six of them stick around? Maybe there's another way to look at this that would, um, you know, make the industry work better, treat people better probably reduce a lot of the costs associated with having to hire new people and train new people all the time. Um, it is, it's definitely an, an interesting perspective, um, but it is the perspective of the largest companies in, in the space. So um, interesting to, to look at and, and to include for sure. So where do you go, Rachel? You follow the money to find out why they're thinking this way? Because it's very counterintuitive the way that they are thinking, unless you look towards a rather sinister keeping driver pay down is the issue or the goal. Yeah, there there is one interesting look at this from uh, Stephen Burks, who wrote this a, a pretty big piece for the uh, Fed, for the bureau or co-authored a pretty big study for uh, the Department of Labor in terms of, you know, what's going on with the truck driver shortage. And his argument, and this argument was has been echoed by a few other scholars in the space, is that if you're a trucking company and you try to raise wages, um, because there are so many, because there are so many other players in the trucking industry, you know, you have large carriers, small carriers, you have private carriers, you know, lots of lots of different parties competing for the same type of freight. Mm-hmm. Um what happens is that if you try to raise r- wages, you're going to have to raise freights, which means that, you know, the retailer and manufacturer you're working with is going to go to any of these like hundreds of thousands of other options they have. So that leads to companies keeping keeping rates down and keeping pay down. Um, and it's not really like a satisfactory, it's not like a satisfying answer because it's like you can't really blame like on one hand, you, you maybe you want to blame the large companies, or maybe you want to blame drivers themselves for some reason. It's kind of like a weird situation where, um, like, what Burks argues is that the only way to actually solve this is if we just made everything more expensive, and that would help pay for yeah. increased wages and increased rates. Um, that's one perspective. I think I think there could be another solution in here, but. Um, it's it's kind of a it's it's a I I think we end up talking about the truck driver shortage so much because it's like one of those questions where it's like one of those things where it's like what is the solution here what is the best answer here sure. um and it, it feels really difficult to try to figure out what it, what that could be well to get the latest on that go to freightwaves.com read Rachel's latest article Rachel it's a special day because of the controversy you have with Frank and Myth Michigan so we spun the wheel of stupid Frank and Myth okay. Michigan trivia questions. We did it before the show, and we came up with a good one here in the category of music. What rock okay. band, often compared to Led Zeppelin, is from Frankenmuth? Zero idea. Ooh, right. Not a clue. You don't wow. get the stupid questions right or the trivia questions, Rachel. It was Greta Van Fleet. That was who this uh, band was. All right. Well, 
You'll get them next time. Maybe next year. I'm going Frankenmuth like next month, so I'll I'll brush up then. Okay, be sure to get us some footage. Maybe we can have you on when you're live from there. Take it easy, Rachel. Go subscribe to Modes. Everybody, let's go catch up with the ports. Hey, one of the most interesting storylines of all this year has been the massive sea change in ports and the big shift from the West Coast over to the East Coast. But I think we're going to find out that this change had been in motion for a while now with all the dredging and everything that's been going on. Let's talk. Let's meet Ed McCarthy. He's the chief operating officer over at the Georgia Parts Authority. He's having a great year. Ed, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. We're, uh, We're happy to be here. Wow. How is uh, – first of all, let me ask you a question. Has this year surprised you at all, that seeing that big shift and change in cargo flow? Not really. Uh, we've, we've seen this time and time again. Uh, West Coast has had challenges back in 2002, 2015. There's been a shift of cargo to the East Coast, and it's been anywhere from 10 to 20% shift in cargo – and we're really fortunate because when it shifts here, you know, you would think it would shift back, but we've only seen a small percentage, one to two percent, that actually shifts back year over year. I think it really comes back to what uh, Rachel was talking about: truck drivers, BCOs, the customers, the people who are bringing the cargo. They want ease of doing business, and the Georgia Port Authority has consistently shown that we have the capacity, and we've been easy to do business with. We are struggling right now this year because the growth has been 20% on top of another 8% year. So we are seeing some constraints, but I'll talk a little bit about how we're, how we're planning for that future uh, as we go on with the uh, questions in the show. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, you've experienced record growth, as we mentioned, and we kind of set the table on that. Let's get into that. How are, you know, what are you doing to stay ahead of that growth and not end up in a situation where there's too much congestion and you're keeping everything run smoothly? Well, we look at it as a holistic plan. We have to do it all at the same time, same incremental. So not only do you need to do a berth expansion, you need to do a yard expansion, you need to uh, expand the gates, and you need to expand rail in line with what the with what the growth is. Unfortunately, we always had a 20% buffer uh, in years past, but with 20% growth, with an 8% growth, it ate up that buffer. But we are building... Container berth one, that'll give us a million, uh, 1.5 million TUs of capacity coming online next summer. We're building, um, we built over 20,000 container slots in the yard in 2022. We have Garden City West that we're constructing right now. That'll also come online next summer, which is another million TUs of container capacity in the yard, along with a brand new gate that we'll design and build coming on probably next peak season. Uh, gate 10 will come online. And then uh, with the rail, we've spent the last four years building out the Mason Mega Rail, and that can handle over a million containers worth of capacity. And we're only doing about 50% of the capacity in that right now. So we have a tremendous amount of rail capabilities. Yeah, Ed, you guys have uh, been able to handle quite an expansive and massive growth throughout the years. How are you partnering with the trucking community to adjust to these uh, growth levels? Well, one, we have a what we call the trucker uh, executive team. We bring in leaders of the trucking community here locally. Either they're a regional carrier or a local carrier. And we actually listen to what they have to say. You know, we've had gate hours for years that have always been six days a week. 
and that came from the trucking community a decade ago. And you know, we were one of the few ports that had that for a decade. And recently, a year ago, when we started seeing this huge growth and expansion, uh, we went back out to the trucking community and we extended gate hours uh, at night because that was the easiest thing for us to do at the time. Uh, and we saw anywhere from uh, an additional, you know, 1,500 moves to 2,000 moves between uh, 6 o'clock at night to 11 o'clock at night. We're, we're always open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. But that really wasn't what the truck, the truck drivers wanted. What the truck drivers wanted is they wanted earlier hours as well. So only a few months ago, maybe uh, three months ago, we changed the hours listening to the truck drivers. They wanted early hours, so we opened up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and we go until uh, 9 o'clock at night. And instead of only doing about an additional 2,000 moves a week, we're actually between five and 6,000 container moves in addition a week on those later hours. So it's all about listening and going back to being ease of doing business. Well, and you mentioned the drivers. You know, there were so many stories we covered on Freight Waves about struggles that drivers were having at the Port of Los Angeles or Long Beach and the congestion up um, in the Northeast and all of yeah, those kind of right. things. How are drivers responding to what's happening down in the Southeast and how you're preparing the, the port for all this? Well, we, we twice a year we do a, a trucker appreciation day. You know, we all manage when we get out there with our best. And we'll actually stand in the lanes and we'll talk to truck drivers. Simple thing, you know, Chick-fil-A biscuit or a bottle of water and just listen. And I'm actually starting to hear, I'm having conversations. You know, someone will come down with a New York Yankee hat or a Giants hat or a Houston Astros hat or a Philadelphia Eagles hat. I'm like, hey, how are you, how are you a fan? I'm like, oh, no, I just moved here from New York. We're hearing that. Georgia is an easy place to do business, easy for us to get in and out. You know, we were having some struggles as we had, you know, the growth in capacity. Our turn time on a dual move was getting up on an average between 60 to 65 minutes. And that's not where we want to be. We want to be less than 55 minutes. And we're back down to those levels. So as long as we can get the drivers in and out of here uh, in one fell swoop, uh, you know, quickly, it, it helps them out. We actually do about dual moves coming in and out of the facility, uh, dropping off a load, picking up an empty, or load, load, or drop off an empty, pick up a load. We're doing about 70 to 80% dual moves. That's one move in, one move out, but they're getting two truck moves rather than bouncing around between places. So that, the quick turn, and then, you know, what we started tracking this only a year ago because, you know, that's when we had when we started hearing it through the, the uh, truck appreciation day. But we've had over 5,300 new truck drivers come to the GPA in the past year to register to be a truck driver to come in and out of our port. So I know there may be a shortage elsewhere, but I think it's because they're migrating here because they're, they're hearing that it's easy to do business. Becoming the new beacon, the new hub of freight. I like it. You know, you I can go. hear so much pride in your voice, and it got me curious. When you look, because I used to work right next to a port. I used to work next to Conley Terminal in Boston, and I loved working All at right. the port because you'd see the boats every day. It was fantastic being at Black Falcon. What is your favorite part of looking out that window out at your port? So I worked at Conley back in 1990. I went up there for a month. The guy went on vacation. I actually worked at Conley Terminal way back when. Got to know the, the local up there. It was a great experience. Really loved Boston. It was a lot of fun. 
Um, but what I love about about the business is just seeing the joy on people's face coming to the port. Um, you know, we're not perfect. We, we know we have issues to work on, but it's really the pride of the team. We want to be the best in the industry, and we look at it every day. How do we become world-class, improve productivity, improve driver throughput, improve the rail, improve the gate? And we live it every day. You know, it's from our safety all the way to productivity and efficiency. I'm blessed to be part of a great team, really am. Well, and hey, thank you, wow. for, thank Joe's. you, Georgia, for picking up the ball, you know, and, and running with it, especially this year. And I, I got to agree with you. I think the volume's going to stay sustained. It took a while to get shippers to take a bite out of out of the East Coast, but uh, sure, I think once they've seen what what we have to offer on the Atlantic. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, they're here to stay, no doubt about it. Well, no hey, shippers, truckers, anybody who wants to work or interface with the port, where should I send them to to connect? www.georgiaports.com and all of us are listed on there. There are email addresses are on there, uh, phone numbers, uh, customer service, but www.gaports.com. Ed, thank you so much for your time today and uh, congratulations and good luck throughout the uh, rest of the holiday season. Likewise. Happy holidays and appreciate the opportunity to share. Thanks. Thanks, Ed. Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting year of of port, right? Everyone's been an interesting year of port, at least throughout the pandemic. But this has been an especially interesting one because something that's been built up for a long time, that big East Coast shift. Sure. That's finally happened. We're talking about it, all the dredging at all the different ports. And I knew about this all the way from being back in the, in Boston time. Sure. We were having so much trouble in Boston getting new vessels and new calls because we could only bring in 4,000 4, TU vessels, I think sure. it was. And now they increased to 12,000, which is what's coming through that big Panamax, and which is what everyone is starting to, has, not starting to, has dredged for. Yeah, you had the widening, the expansion of the Panama Canal, and now you got the dredging and everything happening there. And Georgia ports was already set up. They set themselves up with the inland port. Yeah. To help them do that. And guess what the other, the West Coast is thinking about now? An inland port to try and figure out how to do this that Georgia did, what, 15 years ago? Put that thing in place? I I mean, that's what I love about supply chain, too. We have amazing leaders at these places that understand their position. And, you know, as bad as sometimes the supply chain can look, you got to understand that some of the smartest minds in the world are working on these solutions. And most of us are incredibly passionate about what we're trying to accomplish. You can see right there with Ed. Agreed. Anyways, meanwhile... Guys, today it looks like an ordinary curtain cider. So if we just undo the curtain here, pull this off here. Are you ready for this? It's actually oh, wow. a house. It's a beer truck. Check Let's it take out. a look inside. Wow. Let's step in. You've got your kitchen here. You've got your lounge, stroke dining room, TV up on the wall there. If we come through, bedroom with two beds. Just beyond this curtain here, there's a back door. This is the back of the trailer. I think we should. Down the steps. All your heating's done on this little touch pad here. Toaster, kettle, microwave. Like, you couldn't really pull a load. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't. Well, yeah, you typically pull a load, but yeah. A shower. The, the, one, bed was, the one bed was kind of short, though, wasn't it? I mean, I wouldn't want to share it with you. I, I'm not. In this room, we've got a double bed and a lovely little window here. Oh, that was a double bed, though. You know, you get your own room. Like, there's two of you. Yeah, there's two different rooms there. One has two beds, one has a double bed. Let's hop out. He's delivering this to Jordan Graff today. So Apparently here, a lot of doors. Yeah, I'm waiting generator. for Jordan Graff to be behind one of these doors. Yeah, it's just Jordan. Under here, this is your water tank. This holds all your fresh water. This is the back door we see from the bedroom. Open this up. This is your waste pipe for your toilet. Ah. How many doors are in awesome this place? Cousin Eddie. <laughs>
Well, wow. cool stuff. Yeah, we need to get one of those for our next tour. But speaking yeah. of Jordan Graff, founder and CEO over at Highway, he is here right down in the bottom screen. And I see um, something outside his window. Jordan, what is behind you right now? Where are you hanging out? There's sky out there. Just, it's just the office building next door. I don't right. know. It's oh. just the window. No, yeah. I know, but like where in the world are you? It looks nice and sunny. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it feels good today. Dallas, Texas, man. Nice, nice. Why? So why Dallas? I know you're uh, you're one of those Triumph Pay folks. You were used to be the CEO <laughs> over there. Now you're still kind of hanging around the area, but you got a new company. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, man. Um, so thanks for being on here. Thanks uh, for having me. And uh, Highway is, is a company I started January 1st. It's about carrier identity and helping brokers validate a carrier's identity by answering the questions, who are you? Are you really the carrier? And what equipment do you actually have? So that it's all about transparency and picking the right carriers, validating them. So you doing the vetting for them? So uh, it, so we're we're building out the data set of like uh, what. So like I said, like who are you? Like figuring out if this digital session that's trying to come through and access that broker's system is actually the huh? person they claim to be. So they get oh. access to like their internal load board faster. So it's like single sign on. They use the sign in with highway button just like they use sign in with Google or sign in with Facebook elsewhere. So, Jordan, you had a pretty cushy position, CEO over at Triumph Pay. Do you remember the moment that you were like, I have this really great idea. I want to be a founder, and I want to launch it, and I'm going to take that leap. Yeah. Maybe you were at F3, or maybe you were at one of our events, and you said, you know, I'm seeing all these other founders out here. It's Jordan time. Or well, what was the impetus? Oh, man. Um, you know, I've been, I've been an entrepreneur prior to joining Triumph Pay. I ran a, a development shop here in, in Dallas. Um, we did Ruby on Rails development. And, and then my brother came to me and he was like, I need someone to run try and pay. So I'd already kind of taken the lead before. And then it was actually Shway Makani from, um, from, from keep trucking. He talked to me in a McLeod user conference and he was like, you know, what is the idea that you really are passionate about that you want to go pursue? And we started talking about this identity piece and, um, it was an idea that I'd had for a while. And then he just kind of left me with a question that burned a hole in my head for six months. He said, what are you waiting for? And so, um, I like the adventure. I like the passion of, of building something um, ground up. And I like uh, the ability to be nimble and agile and solve a customer's problem very quickly. So um, it's, it's exciting times. Um, we're growing really fast. And it wasn't cushy. It was never cushy. Don't, don't get that rumor out there. It's not, it was not cushy, all right? <laughs> I was working saying, hard. So, so I worked in startups. I just know, you know, startups can be, you know, they can be a little tough, especially those first couple they years. Can so, be. you know, much respect. So, Jordan, so you're stumbling down the streets of Dallas. You got this extra 500 bucks in your pocket. And you figure, what can I do with this? I guess I'll just start this new company here. What 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 are the benefits that the customers are really seeing from this? Because I, I get on the surface exactly what you're saying here, getting this quick, easy button for these guys to get into your thing. But how does that benefit the, the those those uh, uh, brokers, et cetera, that that are going to benefit that are going to utilize this? Yeah, absolutely. Like the biggest challenges we face in this industry today, things like double brokering, carrier identity theft, dispatcher services pretending to be carriers, or even a lack of engagement of carriers in our digital experience. The solution to all that starts with better carrier identity. So Highway removes that friction out of the process um, by solving that for um, the carrier prior to them ever trying to engage with you. And so when the carrier comes to get in your network, it's like a toll tag. Instead of having to stop and fill out a form and throw change in the toll booth, they have this highway digital footprint that they can just go directly into your network, um, assuming they pass your rules, assuming we're able to validate who they really are, assuming we're able to validate they actually have equipment and what equipment that is. Then they're going into your uh, internal load board, looking at your loads and booking your freight. 
Gotcha. That's really interesting. Does this help? Does this go further back for the carrier? Does this help them protect their own identity? Like, uh, like identity theft, you said that, but also like, you know, bogus claims and being, you know, bombed on, say, carrier 411 or something like that? Yeah, exactly. Like we want to remove a lot of the noise for the, the carrier market as well. Like when they're operating out of a Yahoo account or a Gmail account, it's incredibly insecure. And so what we want to do with Highway is by protecting their identity, like sealing it with a digital footprint, a fingerprint saying that this is the carrier and no one else can represent to be this carrier unless they come through and have um, and have this fingerprint on them. And so that protects these people that have Yahoo and Gmail, they get their password compromised. Today, they're just exposed, right? That car- That the bad actor can just act out of their inbox and be that carrier. Um, or even I saw one scam that people were running where they were changing like one letter in the carrier's email. Um, like Highway's going to mm-hmm. catch that for you. And you're not going to have to like train your carrier salespeople to be forensic investigators to try and find, um, to, to find these, these, these cases. And then you last point you brought about like the, the noise that comes out of um, at times in some of the review process. Mm-hmm. Like Highway wants to streamline that and make it just about fraud and then validating that fraud actually happened and then sending that out like a beacon to the network so that um, whenever that happens, all the brokers on highway, they can, their carriers that was subject to that, that's been validated fraud, they're turned off in their system. And so they don't have to like subscribe to an email alert or make a change. It just happens automatically for them. Now, Jordan, hear me out here and, and you can steal this uh, idea. I stole it from someone else. Have you considered oh. charging everyone $8 to put a blue check mark next to their, their name? Man, <laughs> that would be, I thought it was the toilet be, idea. I thought you were going to ask Oh, the toilet. We don't need to get in that. Okay, I thought that was what you were going to ask him. Oh, just because he's an entrepreneur, that doesn't mean well, he wants mean, to. You know, he's, he's, he doesn't you know. mean he wants to invest in my toilet that weighs your poo, Michael. Vincent. I think it's a great idea, dude. I think he would have gone that way had he known about it. Okay. Well, we'll have Anyways, to talk more let's about go it. back to highway. <laughs> <laughs> that's George, such a boss move. Trying to take a feature idea off Elon Musk. Like, that's, those are deep waters, man. I'm not I'm sure I'm ready to swim in those. <laughs> just just uh, <laughs> undercut him on the check mark. Be like, we got $5 check marks over here. Six dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Jordan, we want to pe- send people to go check out highway uh where should they go to go to gohighway.com g-o-h-i-g-h-w-a-y.com or you can send me an email jordan gohighway.com all right jordan and you have rolled oh, the magic ooh. number which means you get a wheel of stupid trivia questions you didn't even know you ruled rolled anything let's <laughs> see do you want millennials or gen x oh i'll do millennials millennials okay do i got the i got the millennial one here in the category of science, Ooh. what was the name of the first clone sheep? Ooh, that is a t- <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, uh, I'm gonna guess like Abby. Oh, you were you were close. The, gr- the our next guest is raising her hand, so we will toss it to her once we let you go because I think <laughs> she knows the answer. All right, I love it. All but right. Jordan, thank you so much. It was great seeing you in Chattanooga. I'm so happy with what you guys are doing with Highway. Keep us updated in a couple months. Let us know how much has developed and how much further you've gotten down the road. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank Thanks, you, Jordan. Take care. Have a good one. All right, Surya Taylor from Oida, and she was shaking her head like she knew the answer to that one. What was the answer? That was Daisy. No! Oh, oh, she was so confident no. it was Dolly. Dolly, darn it. Yeah, I, I was, was going to guess Dolly the sheep. I was going to guess Norita. Uh, you were going to guess Norita the yeah, clone I sheep? I thought yeah. it was Justin's beard, the clone sheep. <laughs> it, the, I think the, the clone sheep <laughs> is in his beard somewhere. <laughs> just, there's something in there. Uh, <laughs> Norita, Truckers for Troops, 16th annual campaign. It's ongoing right now. You made it coincide with Veterans Day week. Veterans Day, if you're not familiar, is this Friday. Tell us, 
a little bit about this initiative. You bet. So Truckers for Troops, it's going on this week all the way through Sunday. And basically, uh, join or renew at a discount and you're going to benefit troops and veterans. That's the, that's the short, short version of it. I can uh, elaborate on that. But basically, you know, this is a campaign that we've been doing. This will be the 16th year and it's a really fun way to uh, join or renew and help uh, with the troops and military and veterans. No, let's dive into some of this and what's going on there, because it started, I believe, in like 2007, sending care packages to troops that were in military operations or in combat zones, right? But you've expanded that over the years, correct? Right. So when we started it in 2007, there was a pretty big presence in the Middle East, and then we realized that there was a pretty big need for care packages. And we started small. We weren't really sure what we were doing at first, but what we knew was that our members are a lot of them are veterans themselves mm-hmm. or they have a connection to the military by way of a relative you know mothers fathers sisters brothers everybody has a connection to the military and we knew that they wanted to show their appreciation so we thought that maybe this would be a good way to streamline that and help them uh, participate help the military help send care packages we started out small we weren't really sure what the response would be but it turns out we had an overwhelming response. People were very interested in participating, and it's grown over the years. And basically, so if you join this week, we're discounting from $45 a year to $35. And 10% of that is going to go to the troops campaign, and OIDA is going to match that. So there's the care packages, which, like you said, we've kind of changed things uh, gradually to more so benefit veterans because the president's presence overseas has kind of changed. But the long and the short of it is that we do send care packages still to both troops overseas and for veterans facilities throughout the United States. Well, you don't happen to know, like, the logistics behind getting these packages to overseas. And the reason I ask is I, I just coincidentally, I watched a really interesting video about the Navy post office yesterday and how, like, Amazon packages are brought to aircraft carriers. And it got me like, how do these packages even get over to these troops? Or, do you know it all? Sure. So they have very special addresses. And if we have that address, you know, like, if you know somebody overseas that would like to get a care package, you're gonna get that as very special address from them and give that to us. We do everything in-house. We do the shipping and the packing. We figured out over the years a way to streamline things. We don't have to hire anybody out. We have uh, volunteers within that will help put it together. And as long as you have that address, it will get to where it's supposed to go. Oh, so are any of those addresses like secret? Like if I'm a Navy SEAL or something oh, like that, yeah. you don't even know what those are? It's just like, hey, uh, send us to K7. Care package if you're a SEAL, Michael. That's true. You probably don't. <laughs> you probably don't. <laughs> you're actually. But how do I get somebody? So I know somebody who, uh, a veteran or a family that needs to uh, probably get one of these care packages or want to get somebody involved in this. How do I do that? Sure. A real easy way to do that would be to email that address. You can send that to me at troops at OOIDA.com. Real easy. If for some reason you have any questions, you can also use that address, or you can always call us at 816-229-5791. Excellent. Well, before we let you go, what should people, what, what is a double OIDA up to? What's, what's next for you guys after this veterans thing? 
Sure. So, you know, we're always working on a lot of different things. Obviously, the election is going to mean some changes. We'll know a little more when all of the results get in. We're always ready to work with whomever's in Congress. But, you know, there's the parking legislation that we're working on. That's a big one. That's a really big one. And we just always encourage people to always be talking with your lawmakers, whoever is in office, and talking to policymakers, filing comments. There's a lot of things that are going on with FMCSA. The easiest way to find out would be to go to our advocacy website, which is fightingfortruckers.com. That's awesome. Excellent. That's awesome. Well, before we let you go, Wheel of Stupid Trivia Questions, courtesy oh, of Oh, because she missed okay one, therefore Boomer. she's got to take another one. Well, it one, wasn't right? fair. She tried to pick up the other well, one. Well, she's I know taking she a millennium. She maybe she wants a different oh, uh, do you, generation. All right. Yes, maybe you do. Do you want – well, we have all sorts of generations here. We got Z. We got X. We got um, Baby Boomers, Silent Generation. Where should I Let's pull do from? Baby Boomers. Baby, baby boomers. boomers. All right. Let's see. Let's see here. We're going to have like 1960s-ish trivia. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. Science. All right. What company manufactured the 747, the first commercial jumbo jet? Uh, Boeing. Yeah, you got it. See, you were able to get your own question. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today. Everyone, go join OIDA or go donate to this cause here. Go get some troops, some care packages. It's the holidays. Have a heart. Yeah, go get involved, man. Make a Veterans Day. Make a Veterans Day. Right on. Excellent stuff. Well, XBO is driven to put your freight first. With coverage in 99% of U.S. zip codes as well as key routes in Mexico and Canada, XBO will help you get your shipments where they need to go, on time and damage-free. Right on. All fine-tuned by over 35 years of world-class LTL experience. To learn more, tell them, dude. Hey, go to ltl-solutions.xbo.com. It's Super Trucker and Rooster. There they're hey. at. <laughs> What's up, guys? What's the day treating you? What's up? Still recovering from F3. You are. Wow. My feet were hurting me over the weekend. There was like, I think, like Saturday I woke up, and I'm like, because Friday I did, like, I intentionally did almost nothing, right? We did, like, a little bit of cleanup. Then I was like, I'm going to sit down and I like, just worked from the couch, right? And then Saturday I still woke up, and my feet were, like, cracking. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're getting <laughs> stiff, man. You're getting old. Yeah, well, no. also, it's like you're walking 17,000 mo- 17, steps a yeah, day for yeah. three days. It's like yeah. the only time your Apple Watch is going to say, hey, dude, take a break. Well, when we got off air, like when we got <laughs> off air on What the Truck on Monday, I'm like, it's weird to not have to walk like 17,000 miles after the show now. Like, wow. <laughs> I just get to go walk <laughs> mine, Randy. Mine, mine was giving me alerts saying, hey, your trends are different when I landed there. And then I was getting alerts when we got back and said, hey, your trends have changed again. It was sending messages to my phone saying someone stole my fitness watch because I don't move that much. Oh, you don't move that much? <laughs> Keep it up, boys. Keep it up. Well, one of the cool things about F3 is we got to meet and we got to see a lot of people and we got to engage, but we also got to encounter a plus AI autonomous truck. Now, Michael mm-hmm. Vincent and I, we took it out one morning, but we don't have CDLs, so we weren't allowed to drive. We mm-hmm. were just able to uh, experience, sit behind the wheel. What I was doing when, when I rode, and I don't know what you were doing to like try and gauge the, the ride, but I was like closing my eyes and trying to look back and forth to when the guy was driving and when the assist was on, and I thought it was really interesting. But you guys are drivers, so you have better eyes and ears for this stuff for me and you personally got to drive it super trucker so let's talk about it talk about your experience behind the wheel of that autonomous truck well it has no ego and they have it set so that it won't speed it only does i think up to two miles an hour over the speed limit um so once you cross over the chattanooga state line speed limit is 55 for trucks but it's 65 for cars and of course all the trucks are still keeping up uh, with passenger cars so you're getting passed left and right but at the same time it's like 
what do I care? You know, I'm, I'm driving I'm letting this thing basically drive itself. Um, it only works at highway speeds. It's not going to drive through towns for you. It's not going to back up to a door for you. You know, you still have to be hands on the wheel, eyes forward, paying attention. Um, the only nitpicky thing I had about it was the time it takes for it to initiate a lane change from when you tell it to was like seven seconds, which is way too long in rush hour traffic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was sitting behind the driver, kind of taking in what he was experiencing there. And that was one of the things I was wondering about. And I'm glad you brought that up. I thought the screen also was pretty cool, but I love the fact that it was so minimalistic because it wasn't distracting. What did you think about yeah. that interaction? So before I drove it the day before, um, I was asking their guy, like, how do you guys decide like how much information to you know, simmer down and give to the driver? Because they're telling me all these things that the truck reads and monitors and stuff. But that could be so much information overload for a driver, you know, because you've already got a thousand things in the truck distracting you. And so, yeah, they said it, it shows just one simple lane on the screen, um, which I thought was nice. The other thing I didn't like was if you're on a, a road that curves, it doesn't show a curve on the screen. So if there's a car in front of you on the other lane as the road's curving, it might assume that that's a car in your path. And it'll it sometimes it would slow up uh, for a car like that. Well, yeah, well, Rooster, I heard a rumor, though, that you were like a horrible backseat driver. You couldn't relinquish control. You were just yelling at the AI. They had to keep reminding you that it was a robot and it was just a bad experience. No, what, what did you think? Because you didn't get to drive it, but you are a truck driver and you got to have a similar experience that Vincent and I did. Basically, on my viewpoint of the Plus AI truck, it would be great for like somebody just getting into the business, you know, having a little bit of extra overwatch, maintaining your lane, maintaining your speed would be great uh, for a more experienced driver. You know, it's kind of like a what we already have in the trucks right now at the level two. It already has the collision mitigation, the automated cruise control, the lane deterrence system. It's really a, a step up from what we already have in trucks, you know, the truck is rigged for level four autonomy, but it is kind of leashed back to level two because of regulations. Mm. It's, it's a great tool for new drivers and older drivers to use. Uh, The one thing I would have, I would have to say against it, it's a little bit of a complacency, you know, getting too used to the system, doing everything for you, and that could lead to some boredom, which could lead to drowsy driving. So, you know, it has mm-hmm. its pluses and its minuses. You got to take into consideration when you want to roll out something for like this for your fleet. Yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of a, and I have to preface this by saying a lot of the reasons for this are, are due to regulations. They had to operate yes. at level two instead of level yes. four. So there's a lot of annoying things, like uh, like Super Trucker mentioned with the seven-second lane shift. A lot of things that are not technical limitations, they are regulatory limitations that you would have to do in doing this. I can't imagine someone buying a system like this to run at level two for, for long-term could you guys, it just seems like this is the placeholder. This is testing. This is how you prove the concept. This is, you got to go to level two so you can get to level three, uh, et cetera. Yeah, yeah I think my... because the, yeah, I think okay. because the speed limit is kind of set according to GPS, I think they will probably rig the autonomy to also be connected to the GPS, to the location where they're at. You know, if it's a state like Texas or Arizona where they do level four work, you know, the system would work in level four capacity, but if it goes to a city or a regional area where it's, you know, restricted to level three, level two, you know, it would you no know, cut itself back to that, rec- that uh, specifications. 
So what I thought was interesting, or what my question, I guess, to you, Super Trucker, is is there were benefits to the carriers, right? It reduced uh, or it improved gas miles like 10% or something like that. Maintenance mm-hmm. was much better because there's less wear and tear because you're not driving very aggressively. And safety, so your insurance is better as well. But like you said, that non-ego, how hard would it be to adjust and get <sighs> drivers to change from that ego, that, mm-hmm. that land grab, to being able to just chill out and relax and, and ride with this thing. I found it to be quite relaxing actually to ride in the things. And I thought yeah. it was going to be nerves. Yeah. yeah. It would be, it would be tough because like I said, the, the best, the best candidate for a truck like this would be someone with zero experience whatsoever or somebody with, you know, at least a decade plus under their belt. The last person I would want behind a truck like this for a long time would be somebody with just six months to maybe a year or two, because you're still not experienced enough to, you know, take over whenever something goes wrong or, you know, you, you still ca- carry over bad habits from, you know, your four wheeler days. Um, but in a truck like this, you're really restricting yourself. You don't, you don't grow in a truck like this. So I, th- I think it's a good truck for like Ooh. training wheels, you know, learn to drive in the truck and then they didn't start to learn how to drive at, you know, a 10 speed or a 16 speed. Cause that's the other thing. If you get hired on with a carrier that drives just this truck and this is the only truck you know how to drive, you're not going anywhere else. You know, no one else can hire you because you can't drive a stick shift. Hmm. Interesting. That's a good point. Although, you know, this, I mean, if you've seen the numbers on how few sticks have been sold, there's a big change. Yeah. Uh, there's a big change there too. So yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I think that maybe actually learning how to work with this tech may be a better financial decision than learning how to drive a stick in this day, in this day. But at the same time, when you look at this truck, this is not a truck that is replacing drivers right that's not what no. i saw no. maybe no, 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 no. somewhere down there but nothing in that truck says there's no driver in fact when you when I, I didn't get to drive it but when i sat in the truck i did not seem different to me than most trucks use experience it, it was like walking yeah. into a regular peterbilt or something yeah no i haven't had any kind of like existential dread climbing into any trucks like this yet i would love to experience some but nobody's uh, come forward to say hey come come check out what we got yet Rooster, what did you think of their big camera pillar being on the side mirrors instead of a, usually you see it on the top rack? Remember, like the Gatiks yeah. we saw at yeah. um, in yeah. Arkansas, they have the huge cameras up top, but this one there's almost none. Right, they're covered underneath by that silver strip you saw in the video, yeah. and then the side, those giant mirrors, those towers are what are doing the work. Yeah, it's a one thing when we talked talk with them. You know, it's they're mapping their software. It's not as hard tuned to the road like everybody else is you know they still require a driver to be in control of that vehicle it's not you no know, full the rig for level five you know it's still set level four so you know a lot of that is going to be great if there's damage to those mirrors and those pillars because they're basically plug and play you unscrew the cover you unplug the sensor array swap in a new one screw everything back together and you're good to go It'll cut down downtime from having to, you know, take it to a shop, get get scissor lifts to take that whole big brim off the the eyebrow of the truck, as we call it, with all those sensors. When you just uh, do just one section at a time. Yeah, yeah and one day, one day installation, one day installation. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, yeah, was, that was what impressed me the and most because they they told me from eight to five they can have any truck in there yeah. and out the other side level two autonomy. Interesting. Although, where is where? Because you still got to go to one of their facilities, right? So, like, were yeah. you to be in I, the middle of Wyoming or something, and uh, you hit a <laughs> well, deer, no, they, and they said if, the antlers if, take you off a, your mirror. If you have a, yeah, they said if you have a large enough fleet, they can send somebody out to you. Okay. 
Well, like via, I don't know, via helicopter. I mean, there's still child, but you know, it, it's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. None of this yeah. stuff. Like, and, and the sales cycle, I know when commenters come online, but when you are talking to like the reps from these that are actually selling this to people, it is very well described to these organizations what they have to consider and the limitations with uh, mm -hmm. with sort of geofencing routes and all those things are, are put into place. But Rooster is putting an article up on backthetruckup.com on this particular topic. So if you'd like to know more, get more of their first experience, go check out that article. Now, wow. tis the season for theft. Here's an interesting theft, though. You think anyone's going to recognize this guy here? So, uh, crime, uh, yeah, crime, yeah. crime Stopper says <laughs> officials, they identify person accused of stealing truck from LSU. He looks uh, not like Post Malone, a little bit more like Pre Malone. I don't know. Do you think they'd have put this guy in like a lineup of SoundCloud rappers to make it fair? Like, who do you stand this dude up against? <laughs> uh, basically, any, any other juggalo. <laughs> is he juggling? I see. I think he's more likely to have like little peep in his Spotify mix than he is to have like the clown. I I can't. It's hard to say though. He's got guys. a clown. He's literally got a clown mask. He's literally got a clown. I know. Mask. What am I talking about here? He definitely could be a juggalo. <laughs> I, I guarantee you, he's going to pick up a load of catalytic converters. They haven't caught the guy. They just <laughs> yes. identi they've identified him apparently, but he's he's out on the loose. Um, th this isn't the only thefts this week though. One of the reasons I brought this up was not only was the image kind of frightening, but. And imagine being that the guy reviewing the security and first in there. Dude, that laugh. But, the one time you do want to in cab camera and identify people like this. Well, the, the reason I brought this up too was uh, Rooster. The other day I sent you um, uh, there were that, over the weekend there was some reports of thefts of those uh, CPC things again. That was that, that we had reported yeah. on mm -hmm. earlier in the year. Yeah. What's been going on with thefts right now? Any increase over there? Well, uh, you know, we just put this article up on backtotruck.com. Uh, a, a guy basically was getting hired on Monday, getting his truck on Tuesday and Wednesday, taking it to a chop shop, tearing the trucks down completely. No, nothing left but the fiberglass shell of the truck. Engine's gone, transmission gone, all electronics out of it. And by the time the company that hired him found out what had happened, he was already at another company. And I'm not going to say which one, but he already had another company, already had another truck, already had it chopped up. And was on his way to the third one before the first one filed a police report. You know, it, it you go on eBay or you know, on the online, look at some of these parts. You know, a CPC four is ranging around three thousand, four thousand dollars. I saw one listing on eBay at seventy five hundred dollars for a Freightliner oh. CPC four. I mean, wow. uh, you could you could steal a truck, chop it up, and sell the parts for a year's wages, and you know. Uh, that, that must be the empowerment of driver-free agency That's that ATA chief economist Bob Costello was talking about. <laughs> what other industry can you get? In? Can you just get multiple trucking jobs? Because turnover, 94% turnover. Nobody looks the other way. They're just handing you keys to nope. trucks and you're chop shopping. I'm like, there it's Grand Theft go. Auto every other second. Getting the uh, wanted symbols off. Well, well, the, big, the, big, the big problem is in the article, the companies hiring are not pulling DAC reports. They're not pulling criminal histories. It's I, I don't know if it's got some kind of government program to, you know, try to get pe more people in the truck and that's not causing them to do their due diligence and mm. check out the backgrounds of these drivers. But, you know, like I said, by the time the first one I filed a police report and got his name in the system, he's already three, four fleets down with trucks. Amazing. And when they called and they called a guy, the guy answered the phone and he was like <laughs> mocking him over the phone. Like, what do you want to wow. do? You gave me the keys. <laughs> you can't arrest me for glam 
Grand Theft Auto. You gave need, me the keys. We need to send Mark yeah. Rober, YouTuber Mark Rober, former NASA guy out there to do like one of those iPhone <laughs> glitter bombs. He does those package glitter bombs inside <laughs> these trucks. And get one I these, think we uh, should have Rooster do it undercover. Let's get him involved. Rooster under, like just Rooster pops out. Oh, Rooster undercover. No, that's that's getting this is getting demented. Let's go to something positive. No, no. How about this? So this was this was this happened on Halloween, but I you know you and I have little boys, man. Uh, me and Justin, mm-hmm. so we're suckers for this stuff. Play this tape. What do you think of these kids' costumes? I think they look great. Doing a little Smokey and the Bandit. Mm-hmm. Is that Snowman? <laughs> they got the radios and everything. Cute. They got the radios. They they're popping right the out their own windows. Trailers. Oh, these are great. You think are are you a co- are you a handy costume guy? You think you're gonna make anything like this for your your son in a couple years, Justin? Well, I dressed up as Boximus Prime for Halloween one year, and that was fun. Was that transformable? Uh, no, it's just a cardboard box that painted red and blue and named it Boximus Prime. <laughs> okay. Did he just say, hey, uh, did he just say, hey, Smokey, I'm pulling over to the choking puke to toss some groceries down my neck? Is that what that so little kid just said? You know, you know, the kid doesn't uh, know what he's saying. He's just talking. Kids say the darndest things. <laughs> Speaking of, they do, and so does Justin. Justin says the darndest things, and he answers the kids' darndest things. Play this TikTok. This is a really fun story I hope you guys like. Uh, there's a daycare center up in Nova Scotia where every single day uh, they have semi-trucks that go past the daycare to go to their fuel depot and you'll have all these kids outside pumping their arms and the trucks give them you know the, the honk um it's gone so well that they actually put out a little thank you note for the truck drivers and i really want to get a bunch of guys on tiktok here to respond to the note because they have some questions for truck drivers uh that they'd like to have answered for the kids here were some of the questions what what you have in trucks the association your trucks as uh dry or liquid stitch that retweet it whatever platform you're reading this on uh, go for it. It'll be fun. Uh, I'll go first. So this was my truck. Uh, last truck I drove, uh, I was with the Postal Service for five years. Uh, it's technically a 14-wheeler, uh, not an 18-wheeler. Uh, I would go from the postal plant where all the mail in Philadelphia is sorted to the main post office in downtown Philadelphia at 31st and Chestnut. I would do three trips a day uh, back and forth there. And then my last trip for the night, I would go to the UPS air terminal at the southern end of the Philadelphia International Airport where I would pick up all the air mail that UPS was contracted to uh, deliver for us. And then I would go back to the plant and then I would be done for the day. Well, well thank yeah, you, Uncle Justin. Is very, very... Wait, is there more? They just want... <laughs> oh, yeah, they want to know how loud the horn was. They want to know how loud the horn was. I'll tell them how loud the horn goes this loud. Onk, onk! <laughs> now, Bruce, before we let you go, we need some redneck advice here. Show them this tractor. I, I know. Oh, I, I gotta know yeah, if you yeah. could tell us how this tractor could have been saved. What this driver could have done. It's amazing. Oh, I don't know. Chris, you got that one? There, there we it go. is. Yeah. Oh, it is Rooster. <laughs> That's Rooster yelling. Oh, oh, That's Rooster yelling at him right there. So, in a tractor, Rooster, any chance of uh, saving it when you get into when you start moving back and forth like that? Yeah, when it goes to fishtail, you got to ease up on the throttle real easy. You know, what happens is the load gets one-sided, and you start fishtailing and, you know, slowly gets out of control. So, you know, you kind of have to gently slow down and get regain control before, you know, that happens and wind up on the side. 
Don't let it happen to you. Don't fish tell out there, people. There's a new Back the Truck Up podcast. Go over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, listen to it there. Uh, subscribe to What the Truck We are there. This weekend, Chattanooga has an annual Touch a Truck event on Saturday. Although today's only Wednesday. I can talk about this on Saturday. Either way, it's at Macaulay Boulevard. I know I'll be there. I know my kids will be there. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Don't be a stranger and tell them how to be. Peace and love. Spread it everywhere.